and welcome to the latest edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. Last week's, well, that was something special, wasn't it? A real eye-opener, and if you haven't already, go give it a listen. It's our pinned tweet on Twitter. A lot of questions were answered, and some very special guests. Not as special as Adam, though. How are you doing? Not too bad, Simon. Uh, a bit hungry, but I'm a true professional, and this is a really professional podcast, so uh, I'll leave my tea till later. Excellent. Barry, how are you doing? Yeah, doing very well, thank you. Uh, I hope you're doing well yourself. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Yeah, it's been a busy day uh, sorting some things out, but yeah, having a good day. Um, right, we've got no games to preview, uh, sorry, to review, but there is something I would like to discuss right off the bat, and it could be a bit of a sickener. It could be something that we look quite positively at. Alfie Devine, Tottenham Hotspur, made his first professional start, uh, well, appearance against Marine in the FA Cup third round, scoring the fifth goal for Spurs, and he got to play alongside the likes of Gareth Bale, Joe Hart. Barry, what were your thoughts and feelings with that? Very proud that he came on. Uh, I was hoping he'd, he'd, get a, he'd get a run out. Jose Mourinho, true to his words, uh, you know, he says he likes playing the young kids, brought him on at half-time. He looked class. He, he, you know, to think that he's just turned 16 and it was a, a really good performance. I think he uh, dominated the midfield when you think he's playing against, like, <clears throat> you know, all right, they're not top-class professionals, but they are still good players, physical, you know, Marine. They, you know, I thought he... Um, he stood out, actually, he did. And he started off with Deli Alley, didn't he? And then, uh, you know, Bale came on. And he didn't look out of place. I was, uh, yeah, I was very, very proud, but at the same time, quite quite angry, like a lot of Latic supporters have been over this. And I'm sure Adam's probably felt the same way. Yeah, it was sad, really, because, he, you know, you, you realise... What a quality player. I mean, we knew how good he was because he bossed it against Man United, didn't he, in that Eve Cup quarterfinal. 15-year-old playing against 18-year-olds. And then if anyone wondered, like, whether he was up for the fight playing, if you like, men's game, I think the little battle he had with uh, Danny Drinkwater a few weeks ago <laughs> when uh, <laughs> Drinkwater basically thought that he was um, shit-housing too much and... Uh, as a result of that, um, let's just say, lost his cool. So if he can keep doing that, you know, we, we, we know a certain Mr. Nick Powell was always very good at that. And if, you know, I think he might even go on to be better than Powell, but if he has a career as good as Powell, then he's not done bad for himself, has he? So well, well done to Alfie, but tinge of sadness. Obviously, we've not had a game this year. 29th of December was our last game. And now we're getting towards mid-January. In fact, it will be mid-January every time we play our game against Rochdale. Obviously, the first game of the year. Let's go straight in with Barry. Who's the man in the middle? Well, ref watch. Bobby Maidley. Well known to uh, football fans around the UK. He got sacked over two years ago by uh, the, the PGM... Or L is it? Is that the association? 
we were trying to work it out before, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. He got he got sacked for a controversial video where he. I'm not going to go into it because I'm not 100 percent sure what it was, uh, and I know he suffered a little bit as a consequence with his mental health after it. So you know, we'll just leave it there. He was reprimanded, sacked, and he's made a comeback. And they told him he had to go to grassroots level and work his way up. Well, he's back in the football league now. Uh, he's 34 years old, and this season. He's refereed 13 games, issued 41 yellow cards and zero reds. He last refereed us in 2014 away at Derby. Now, test Adams' knowledge here. Can you remember what the score of that game was? 2014. Can you, have you got the month of it? Because uh, I think we played him twice in that year. October, well, we would have done, yeah. Over and yeah away. Uh, no, no, we played him twice away that year. We played him on New Year's Day. And John Boz de Jour scored. And then we played them away and we won 2-1. And I think James McLean might have scored, scored both. That's the game. That is the game. Yeah, the boom. Game. Yeah. boom, 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 boom. Well, side note, I was in a box for that game at Derby. Uh, any more on uh, ref watch there, Barry, at all? Or is that... Uh... Well, uh, obviously, his brother Andy is now a Premier League referee. So he's taken over the mantle of being the top, top, of, the top brother. Of the two, uh, they're from Wakefield, but it, over in Yorkshire. Uh, Adam, have you got a guest on? Yes, uh, we've got a Rochdale fan. He's uh, returning to the show. He's getting his uh, he's getting his second appearance. But because he's not my contact, I'll let Barry introduce his name, and then I'll I'll say something about it. Yeah, it's uh, Ryan Lockett from RochdaleFC.com podcast. He, like Adam says, he was uh, previewed the game back in. November when we December rather when we played Rochdale and that evening he, he had a pretty accurate forecast about how the game may turn out and it turned out that way. Uh, he's a good lad. Yeah, I was surprised when we went to the DW because I thought it would be a tough game. I thought we'd sort of you'd be in our faces. I thought you'd press us because of the way we keep the ball at the back, and then it sort of didn't happen. And I think the early stages of the game set the tone. I think you gave a couple of sloppy. Sloppy passes away, and we just sort of picked you off, and we were obviously two 0 up at half time. Played really well, I thought. With you, get I was a bit surprised with a game plan, to be honest. Because I think most teams have just have had success against us when we've sat back and it was on my counter. And I don't think Wigan really did that. I thought what might have worked was sitting in and then playing playing off um, Keane up front. You know, going a bit more direct and playing Joseph off Keane and, and perhaps going about it that way. But that, that just didn't work out. And I think it were a mix of you being, you looked leggy. I think that showed him a second half when the amount of fouls that they give away, they just looked knackered. Um, so I don't know if the kids are playing too much football, if they're having to play every week. But I thought we looked fresher and better on the night. Because obviously players in there, you could see it. You know, Joseph, like we've said, and Keane up front. You've got a couple of good kids coming through in midfield and stuff as well. So I think you've got reason to be relatively positive. But yeah, I think it was just a case of you being a bit more tired than we were and us having quality to punish on the night. We obviously then played Gillingham on the Saturday and got battered. To be honest, it was similar to our game in that we just started so poorly. They, st- they scored really early and we often puffed, couldn't break them down and we just kept hitting us and and it is another counter-attack and making stupid mistakes. Our own form has been terrible, to be honest. 3-0 down to crew on Saturday. Um, they, as a counter-attack, 
three times. Obviously, I think they only had three shots in the first half and scored them all. We lost our captain in the first half from one of the counters. He was chasing the striker and pulled his hamstring. And then went in at half-time, fearing the worst, I thought it was going to be four, five, six. And then came out all guns blazing, went a bit more direct and drew. And we probably feel a bit aggrieved not to have won it. I think we, we could have won it in the second half. We had so many chances. But yeah, it second half, hopefully we build on that tonight against Charlton and go into Saturday against um, you guys in, in a bit of form. Um, but it'll be tough tonight. Standout play this season has been Matty Lund, 100%. He's always flirted with the idea of scoring goals, but he's never been a proper, what you'd call, a, I guess, a goal-scoring midfielder. But then this season, he's just, I don't know what's happened to him, but he's scoring a lot of goals. I think I saw a chart of the top scorers in League One and he was about seventh or eighth. I think he's got, has he got nine goals and two assists or something? So I think goal involvement is up there with the best in the league, which has been surprising, but he's been so clinical. He obviously scored at your place, scored two on Saturday, really good finishes again. And he's been a, a revelation. I remember him scoring an app trick at Northampton a few years ago. And I was like, where's this come from? And then he's obviously gone and scored a lot more this season. Yeah, long may it continue because he's, he's filling Ian Henderson's boots, which I think when we spoke last time, I, I didn't think anyone would do, but he's gone on and scored three more. And yeah, he's, he's done really well. He's not just that, he's a bit of bite as well. And he's, he's got that aggression in his game. So he's, yeah, he's a top player, Matty London. I'm so glad we got him back. We're in the bottom four now. I think we dropped in whilst we weren't playing games. I think we've got a couple of games in on, on teams around us. I see us being down there. I said that at the start of the season. I don't see us going down, but I think we'll we'll always be in and around for sort of 18, 19, 20th, 21st. It's frustrating because we've you're seeing, you know, against you, um, against Plymouth away, Saturday, second half, we look a proper team and we look like we should be sort of not up there, but sort of mid-table, maybe top half, and then you get the stupid mistakes and you, you're drilling them at homes and, and games like that and we're getting battered. And it's frustrating. I think if we cut silly mistakes out, we get better with our set pieces in both boxes. I think we'll be all right, but we, we need to start showing that there's that level in, of improvement. And I've, I've seen Lee Boyer's comments before tonight with Charlton away, and he said... Um, we're expecting a tough game. What you can say about Rochdale is they concede a load of goals, but they'll score a load of goals as well. And I think I counted in the last five games, we've scored something like 16 or 17 and conceded 14. I think we'll stay up, but I, I think we'll be flirting with relegation for the whole season, to be honest. Saturday, we've, we've got to go in and expect to win, but then you sort of just don't know what to expect at all. I know you've lost a couple of players we should come away with three points. Urge all Wigan fans to, if you want a bit of optimism, look at our own form this season and I'm sure you'll have a, your smiles on your faces because it's terrible. But see, I think it'll, I don't, I can't see it being 5 0 again, but I think it'll be tighter. But I'd be disappointed with anything but a win. 3 1. Yeah, he's a, he knows his football. I like the fact that he, he gave a tactical uh, masterclass analysis of the Latics, really. So I'm going to pass that on to Richardson because he's now told us how we need to play against Rochdale. Clearly the way we played last time, uh, for instance, um, going almost going 1-0 behind after four seconds after the two defenders leave it for each other. And then five minutes later, we give a bad pass away. Um, that's not the way to play football, is it? Um, so 
Yeah, it was good though. It's good, good. He think he's quite confident they'll stay up, that which worries me because I'm trying to think about the teams that were going to finish above, and they were possibly going to be one of them. So I don't want local teams to go down, but who knows? Let's see what let's see what happens. I I've got a funny feeling about Saturday. Well, previously we've played Rochdale 28 times, won 17, drawn four, and lost seven. Our last meeting, well, Lee said, soonest Mendy Day. Let's get revenge on Saturday. Barry, how do you see the game going? Listening to, you know, what, what Ryan says, you know, the very open side, they've scored a lot of goals, they've conceded a lot of goals. They played at uh, Cheltenham on Tuesday. It was four apiece after they'd been in front 4-2 at half-time. So, and I do like the looks of Matty Lund in midfield, the rampaging midfielder, but... The poor at home. I don't see what team we're going to be pouring out because we've lost one or two players. But I'm going to go for a sneaky 2-1 win for the latter revenge. It's um, it's quite disappointing, isn't it? These games that we're obviously not able to get to as fans because this league is great for the amount of local games that we, we would have. I know I've been to Rochdale. I think we've all been to Rochdale, haven't we, uh, in, in recent times. Cracking little football ground, you're right close to the action. We take good numbers, and it's such a shame that we're in the situation that we're in. So, Adam, we're going to have no fans there. How's the game going to pan out? You just took, you meant just quickly, you mentioned before the bad result, but uh, we have to go back, I believe, and to 1997 for the last time we lost at Rochdale, which was the year that we actually won the third division championship. We lost 3 1. Uh, so we've had an excellent record there uh, since. Last time we were there, we won 4-1. The one thing I remember about that, well, I remember a lot about it, but the main thing was the chippy. The chippy is excellent. At across Rochdale. the road, yeah. I almost feel like still going to the chippy before the game, because obviously takeaway is still allowed. But actually, I think these games often work out, don't they? You know, when I remember last year... Um, Southampton lost 9-0 at home to Leicester and then went to 1-1-0 at Leicester in the return leg. So I, I think we'll do the same to them. I think we'll be well up for it. We didn't give a good show that night. There'll, there'll be five or six players who played that night who'll be playing for us on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to go for a uh, very, very comfortable 4-0 win. 4-0 win. Tell you've been on the uh, on the pop tonight, right? Then let's let's part that. What's your prediction? Um, what did Barry say? Two one. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the pessimist and say a one nil home win. The takeover, Barry. What's the latest? Well, it's all gone a little bit quiet. It's as though you know they've stopped discussing things in public, which is really not a bad a bad thing. The administrators promised us a statement by this coming Friday a follow-up statement to the one they gave us last Friday. I think everybody's aware that Mr. Jeffries and Mr. Frampton's bid has, has been put forward and that's been, been looked at uh, by the administrators. Whether it's been agreed or not has, has not been said in, in public. Uh, so we're just waiting for a, an announcement from someone. And I think that's what we should do, just just give it this week and, and see what, what comes on Friday. Hopefully, you know, hopefully they do get it through to the EFL and we can get, we can get, out of administration as soon as possible with, you know, a group that has some money in the best interest of the club at heart. So, fingers crossed, there's going to be some movement. I noticed Alan Nixon's doing a bit of fishing. I was just going to ask about that, yeah. What's your thoughts on that? 
Well, I, I think it's obvious that the administrators now are, are not speaking to him and they're dealing in, you know, in, shall we say, in confidence with, with the preferred, or not the preferred bidders, but the bidders. And he's not being fed any information about, about the bid. And it looks like he's fishing, fishing and see what he can, what he can dig out. I mean, we've seen him mention stuff about our players as well, leaving for nothing. He keeps mentioning McGurk and, and Joseph going to be free agents in the summer. Today he's mentioned about Tom Pierce is being looked at by several championship clubs. So he wonders if he's just doing a bit of fishing, trying to get some reaction from either the administrators or, or the people who are looking to buy the club. Uh, I'm not sure. So, yeah, I think the best thing to do for the next couple of days, Latics fans, ignore all, all the rumours and all the BS. Uh, and just wait for something coming out on Friday and see where we're at. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, that um, Tony Frampton's been back in the, in inverted commas, data room. Um, can you see much of, has changed, Adam, since uh, the last the last look when they were allowed to have access before the Spanish bid went in? Well, yeah, I think I think it's a due diligence. I think any any good business would like to look at what's been going on since the last look. You know, three months, four months is a long time in football. Things have changed. You know, our our squad makeup is different. You know, our most senior players left, Naismith. We've we've got rid of a lot of staff. We're on a skeleton staff. The pitch has deteriorated. You know, there's lots of things that have changed since then that are all financial issues. I know like we're joking about the pitch, but that's a massive financial issue. You know, I've heard the undersoil heating has, has failed. So, you know, that needs fixing. Just back to the Nixon point. I don't like the guy at all. I just, well, first of all, I don't like the newspaper. Um, I think it's a disgraceful newspaper. And I some of the stuff he comes out with is just wrong. I mean, the fact that he's now saying, well, they're looking at the financial history and where the money's come from. Well, the, the, the AFL, in terms of proof of funding, and a few people have put this on record, is do they have proof of funding on the day? Yeah. If we change the rules, I'd rather them look at where the money comes from. But at the moment, the rules are, at the time, that they have the proof of funding. To me, he just... He just wants to get people to buy, read the articles, read the adverts and make some money out of it. He's got no interest in Wigan Athletic whatsoever. He would not care if Wigan Athletic failed as a club. He blocks everybody who criticises him. So that, to me, is already a start because if you're someone who's so good, you should be able to take criticism. I don't like the guy. I don't like him. I've never liked him. He might get the odd thing right, but... He's out for his own purposes, and I think that he can potentially be a dangerous person for this club. So my view is um, listen to people who care about the club, like ourselves and the supporters club, uh, rather than listening to journalists who just want to get people to read the newspapers. Speaking of journalists, uh, one local journalist, Mr Kendrick, did some pieces and articles on the, uh, the podcast from last week. Some really good excerpts in there. It's accompanied with some good wording from Paul. If you'd like to have a listen to our pod, if you've not already done so, it is still available to listen to, as are all our back catalogue. Now, Barry, we've talked a lot about Tony Frampton um, coming in as, as the bid, because that's the one that's doing the rounds at the moment. Have you heard any, any other rumblings on social medias of anyone else, particularly in the mix at all? No, not heard anything. Just seen that we talked about there, a bit of BS, what Nico had thrown out. Apparently, he, he said something about some guy who'd been banned 
as a company director until 2024. I mean, that's just a non-starter. It's never going to happen. He's talking about people offering a million and a half and willing to take the 15-point deduction. Just talk, total rubbish. And just a point on that, Simon, if we finish in the bottom four this season, that 15-point deduction, if, if it happened, wouldn't come in this season. It would come in next. next season. And, you know, you're looking at dropping out the, out the football league then. So... They're not credible people. They're never going to pass the owners and directors test. It's just, all it is, is, is rumour mongering and a little bit of stirring, stirring the pot and trying to, I don't know what they're trying to do. Like Adam says, just trying to get people clickbait into it. That's what it is, clickbait. Anything else you'd like to cover on that or should we move on? No, I think, I mean, for me, what, what I said initially was, let's just wait till Friday and see what, you know, trans, transpires then. Uh, yeah, and I, I think it's worth noting to to the listeners that if anything, if there is any major developments or anything of of note that needs a discussion, we will hit the record button, won't we, and get something out uh, for people to listen to, no matter what day of the week it is. We'll always uh, cast our views and opinions over it, and hopefully it'll be good news. There was an interesting tweet on Twitter, wasn't there, from a, a friend of ours, a friend of the podcast, great artist, uh, Tat. I would say go and have a look at some of his work. Do you, want to have, do you want to bring this one in, Barry? Tat will not give his real name out. He's a bit like Banksy, isn't he? Banksy Tat character. With yeah, his... I think there's a, there's a terminology, isn't it, that's used in Wigan for the Wigan Banksy. Just work it out amongst yourselves. We'll not, we'll not say it on here. Yeah. But he's, he's come up with a, a bit of a statement on Twitter in a tweet saying, is it time now that we've, we've learned? Should, have we learned to give players and managers time? To settle in, and he cited some great examples. Uh, obviously, Cal Naismith is a standout one. Uh, Dan Gardner. I was just going to come to, to Dan Gardner. Yeah, I mean, in, I mean, in fairness, the two players that I've been critical of in the past, and I'm as guilty as anyone else. Well, when you think about Dan Gardner. He'd, he'd not played for a year when he came into the team because of injury. He was bound to be rusty and have no form. And uh, I think we was all a bit down at that when he, you know, the season starts, and you know, perhaps that's why there was a few moans going around. But as he's picked his fitness up, he's 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 become you know an integral part of the part of the team. I for one have certainly learned, and I, I usually am someone who gives players and managers time, and I've definitely learned that it is important to do so. You know, we're a, a big family at, at the Latics. And we look after our own, and the players and managers are, are own as well. So hopefully, you know, we see them trying the best for us, and we give them that support. Uh, to, you know, so that's I think that's hundred percent right in what he's saying. There's the uh, the whole uh, let Latics gel, and they can go anywhere. Um, I think we'll give him a bit of a plug as well because fully agree with what he was saying. Beer mats that he's got on sale at the moment. Cracking uh, little purchase. I've got someone, or you've got some, uh, Barry. I think they're on his Etsy store uh, under the Springfield Tap, I believe it is. Well worth tenner. Beautiful. I'm getting mine framed. I think I'm going to get them put up in the house. Too nice to use. So uh, give Tata uh, a look, uh, Adam. Yeah, obviously on the Gardner point, he clearly was a good player. I remember the goal he scored against us for Chesterfield and. It take you know it takes a hell of a long time to come back from serious injuries, and I think another one who falls into that category. I know I've just been to the toilet, so if you've um, if you've been talking about Will Keane as well at all, not mentioned him, but to me he's another who falls into that category. He looked a bit 
sluggish when he first started. But for me, you know, he's sharpened up and he, he looks a different sort of player. He looks like, um, to me, somebody can drop into the midfield if necessary as well. You know, so I think Gard- I'm really happy about Gardner um, re-signing because I think you could tell with his interviews as well, he realises that he's been given a chance. And I think the last two months, three months, he's taken it. You know, I think he's played really, really well for us. Uh, I liked how he's linked up with Pierce on that left-hand side. You know, he plays some clever passes to him. So, Well, talking of uh, comings and goings, and there has been some new contracts. We had a, we started this week with a flurry of good news for the first time since probably the 30th of uh, June, 2020. Beat Stoke, yeah. <laughs> um. Dan Garner, as uh, Adam just mentioned, new contracts till the end of the season. Tello Asgard signed his first professional deal, if I'm, I'm right there, Barry. Is that correct? First professional deal for Tello? It is, yeah. Yep. Uh, the next one, here we go. Jeez. Um, new signing who's coming from Nottingham Forest. Uh, I hope I pronounce your name right if you're listening. Tende Dariqua, defender, very highly rated amongst other professionals. I know Sammy Morsi left a comment, didn't he, about him. Uh, but, you know, he's a, he's a good player and obviously he's, he's coming to a good club and he's played with Liam Richardson, I believe, in, in the past. Kyle Joseph, though. Is there a new deal stirring away for the young man? Barry, how important would a new deal be there? Hopefully there is. Uh, we all realise the, the children are the future. Wish them well. Lead the way. Let them gel. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great if we could get um, a contract sorted out for Joseph, wouldn't it? Or could that be the new owner's first task, get him tied down? But we mustn't forget, there's also somebody else who's come back and hopefully will be making a contribution at the weekend in Callum Lang. Uh, another breath of fresh air. It'd be interesting to see if, they, if those two work together up, up top, at the top end of the uh, field. Outgoing, oh, yeah. that's probably the more the more concerning area. And again, paper talk, we've alluded to it before. Uh, Pierce on his way out, championship clubs interested. Sean McGurk as well has been linked with probably most notably Celtic, according to Nixon there. Barry, I'll come to you first again. What's your thoughts and feelings on that? Obviously, what's going on with Weir, Gelhart and Alfie Devine? I think uh, McGurk is one of those players that, We've just got we've got to keep. I mean, we've all seen him play, and he's fantastic. He's he's a little yeah. atom bomb. He's, he's a you know he's, he's dynamite. He's, he's he's fantastic. He's brilliant. Lights that team up. You know the youth team. He lights them up. He's uh, and you can understand why other clubs are linked with him. Uh, he's slight, but his lack of you know as physical stature, his lack of that doesn't stop him from, from performing well and, you know, still putting himself about. It, it, it's very difficult for them to knock, you know, to knock off the ball. If you remember the goal at Old Trafford against United, fantastic goal. He's got that cheeky scotchness in him as well where he ran to the uh, opposition fans and, you know, give them the sign that he did after he'd scored it. You know, we need to keep these players at the club and the longer we're, we're in administration, the more danger of them going out the door. Uh, we, yeah. need, we need this sorted with people who can offer them contracts to keep them here. Absolutely. Uh, Adam, any more, anything to add on the Pierce and McGurk situation? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because 
the longer the administrators stay, unfortunately, it's about paying next month's bills. It always leaves us at risk of losing assets. We've not got many of them left, but we've got a few young players who are assets and probably out of the senior players, Tom Pierce is the best asset. I was just talking again to my Leeds friend earlier. For me, he's he's a player who is probably playing below his level at the moment. I think he is a championship player. If he does go, I'd be very disappointed because he's not here, but I won't be disappointed in him, uh, if especially if he goes to the championship, because I wouldn't blame him. And, he, you know, end of the day, the human beings, they've got... They've got bills to pay. They might have families, you know, so I don't blame anyone going to the championship. Talking of uh, players leaving, Curtis Tilt has returned to his parent club, Rotherham, at the end of his short-term loan. Matty Palmer returned to Swindon to be reunited with Sheridan. Uh, Johnson, back to Leicester City. Darnell Johnson's made a return back down there. So that's three. James, to go back... Following the game on Saturday, the end of his loan deal. So there's, you know, there's four players there, three that definitely won't be featuring, another that potentially won't be here past Saturday. There's been no mention, Barry, as there for a short while of of Will Keane and um, the current situation with him because no, his contract was only short term as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Will Will Keane. Um, not sure what's going on with Will Keane. Hopefully, he um, has been offered a new contract, and hopefully, he'll sign one because. Like Adam said earlier, I think he's grown in, into the in, into the you know into the into the club itself, not just into the role in the team. Uh, whether uh, Callum Lang's been brought back as uh, you know to play up front with with Carl Joseph, and I don't know. I can't see how you can leave Carl Joseph out, out the team now. To be honest with you, and we know Callum's proven at this level, so it, we've got a choice there of three players, you know, for those two positions. So. That, that in itself is good. Hopefully, Keane will sign on and, and we'll get some, you know, get him to, to the end of the season at least. Just wanted to say what, what everyone thought on the panel about if we can keep Langs coming back, hopefully we can keep Keane and keep Joseph. I don't think, is there, is there any reason why the three can't play together? Because Lang has been quite versatile. I watched his interview and he said he played on the right quite a lot. So as a right striker, maybe... Joseph could play off the left and Keane could be that central one, but he could drop in Keane if we need him to drop in. And then you leave your Langs and your Joseph's up front. I, do you think that could work? Because, I mean, we need a replacement for Naismith in those attacking areas, don't we? So could Lang be the Naismith replacement potentially and play all three together? Because they're all good players, aren't they? Yeah, I think uh, they could play together, all three. I mean, uh, we've, we've seen that before with three fours interchanging, haven't we? Uh, dropping down to the number 10, one of them going wide, either side. It's systems we've played at the club. It, it depends. I mean, the managers will have their own thoughts on... I say managers because we look at both Rioch and Richardson, don't we, as, as, the, as the bosses. So they'll have their own thoughts on, on, on who they want and where they want them to play. I mean, hopefully, if, if this takeover did go through in time, we'd bring in a couple of bodies as well, you know, so... Who knows? What though? You know, though, if we could bring bodies in, though, if you had those three at the moment, Lang, Keane, and Joseph, would you want to bring in others? Like, do you think at this level we could better them? Well, you don't, Hoddy. I mean, um, I, I mean, you know, I said Cal Lang's proven, but he he's proven in the fact he played for Shrewsbury and scored five goals. I mean, 
we need more than five goals from our striker between now and the end of the season, you know, because we need to stop in this division. So if we can bring a proven goal scorer in, you'd look to do that. Whether, you know, Carl Joseph is going to be that proven goal scorer now he's up and running, you know, uh, I mean, he, I have no doubt Wang could assist, you know, he, he looks, he's got that quality, hasn't he? And also... You called him Nick Powell, didn't you? You called yeah, him a Nick Powell. He definitely was like a... Um, I mean, I said he was like an arrogant football player, but in, I meant that in a good way. Like, Powell had his arrogance, and I, I thought Wang was very similar with that, that arrogance. I, I spoke to Jonathan Rich... Jonathan... Not Jonathan Richmond. but spoke to Jonathan <laughs> Jackson about it, like, going back two or three years, you know, and, and I told him what I thought of Callum Wang, and he, he said... Yeah, maybe he's a little bit too arrogant. Now that he might have had a bit of an attitude back then, but he was a kid. Now he's grown up. You know, he's what is he now? Twenty two. Yeah, round about that. So Chris Mary, Mary age, isn't it? He's yeah, same, same group as Mary. So probably, you know, hopefully he's matured and um, you know, but still got that bit of arrogance on the ball, which is what we like to see in our players, don't we? You know, so yeah, yeah, perhaps. You know, it, they'll know though, won't they? They'll know how, how they all interact. I mean, I've been looking at those training photographs that um, they're very careful which ones they stick out. And I've not seen Will Keane on any of them, to be honest. You know, and I have been looking for him. Uh, but they, they are very careful, the Latics media teams, which ones they, they stick out in public. I don't know what you think, though. You, for Will Keane, is there any. Is he going to lose anything from having another three or four months at Latics in the sense that. You know, he could, or maybe it's a roll of the dice, he could raise his value, but I suppose he might be thinking, well, I'll get another injury and if I could get a two-year contract, he's not going to get a two-year contract at Wigan, is he? No, and he might lose two grand a week as well. I mean, somewhere, even in League One, might, might pay him three and a half grand. He's on 1,500 quid with us because we're in admin and that's all we can pay him. So if you think about that, it's two grand a week, eight grand a month. For the next it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's a tough one. Yeah, it's a lot of money. So Wednesday night, night of recording, was meant to be an FA Youth Cup game, the competition that we fared very well in, away at Everton. It would have been a game that we'd been able to watch live on their uh, YouTube channel. And it has fallen victim uh, to postponement due to coronavirus. The, football, well, the Premier League EFL following... Similar steps to that has taken place in the lower leagues in Scotland by postponing. Well, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to stick with you, Barry, because people may want, if you know, if, if there is a break coming, they may need something to um, to fill their time. And you, you worked on a little project, haven't you, uh, last year, when restrictions were a little uh, uh, looser than they uh, they are now? Do you want to do you have a discussion uh, around Joseph's goal, the play? Yeah, uh, I worked on, on uh, a project with uh, a playwright called Glory Foston, an idea that I had a few years ago about, you know, something to be a bit of a fundraiser and an awareness raiser for Joseph's Global Charity and make some money for NKH and the research that Paul and Emma, uh, you know, champion very, very much, you know, and very well. The play itself was was rewritten because it, it was written seven years ago and uh, it was rewritten. And we got an all-star cast in, actors that people will recognise off the soaps, if they watch the soaps. We've got Emmerdale stars, 
former Brookside stars, people off the who work in theatre, etc. I'll give you the give you people who are in it. It's uh, Basker Patel, Andy Whitaker, and John McArdle, who have all been in Emmerdale. Uh, Andy Whitaker and Basker Patel are, are regulars. They've been both. I think Andy Whitaker's been in for about close on 20 years now <clears throat> he's been he's been in Emmerdale he plays uh, the police constable uh, police constable in the Basker Patel plays Rishi uh, who used to want a chocolate factory also John McArdle who featured him in, in as Billy Corkill in Brookside many years ago and he's also been in, in uh, Emmerdale Boyce is in it he has a little cameo appearance Keith Faulkner who does a lot of theatre work around the north and up Plenty of voiceovers. You'll know his voice on t- television. Also, myself, I play the role of Paul Kendrick. And where, where can you get hold of it, Barry? Where can we get hold of the podcast? Uh, on iTunes at the moment. It's seven ninety nine, so you call it eight quid. If you if you uh, type in Joseph Skull the play, surprisingly enough, it, you know you'll go there. I'm hoping to get it up on other platforms as well. All proceeds will go to it. I think iTunes take a bit of a cut because it's because of mostly it there. But hopefully it can make a few bob for Joseph's goal. And it's 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 25 minutes long and it tells a story of Joseph and his dad, not Joseph Kendrick, but this other this other kid, Joseph and his dad, making their way to Wembley to watch the Latics play Man City in the FA Cup final. It's uh full of mishaps, it's quite comical. And it's uh, full of wig and grit as well. And it's, it's like a kitchen sink drama. In it. And it's for a very, very good cause as well. You'll enjoy it and it'll bring back some great memories. I'll, I've been nominated for an Emmy for my, my portrayal of Paul. <laughs> Is there anything else from yourself, Barry? No, that's, uh, that's me done. That's Simon. Okay, then. Well, it's, uh, it's a goodbye from me. And it's, uh, it's a goodbye from him. Up the tick. Up the tick.